So, church, when I was sitting down here just a few minutes ago and I was thinking to myself, this time last year, I was preaching to eight people in this building on Easter. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, I said, this is, this is just not what church is supposed to look like on Easter. And now here we are about a year later. This is what church is supposed to look like on Easter. And so I think we need to thank God for that. Amen. So I pray that you have your Bible. If not, there is one hopefully there in front of you. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. As Brother Billy and the choir have already uh, got us ready to, to hear the Word of God and hopefully respond to the Word of God. I mean, this, this is the day that, that we live for all year long. Amen. This is the cornerstone of our faith, the resurrection. And so you can see the title of the sermon this morning is that Easter reminds me. So I pray that you have your bulletin. Hopefully you got one you walked in. Get a pen, get a pencil as we work through God's Word and God's out sermon outline together this morning. I want to tell you a quick story. About nearly 30 years ago, at the height of Operation Desert Storm, there was a lady named Ruth Dillo. And Ruth received a very sad message one day from the Pentagon. The message stated that her son Clayton had stepped on a landmine in Kuwait, and he was killed. And Ruth later wrote these words, I can't begin to describe my grief and shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I just wept. I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me, but nothing worked. The loss was just simply too great. But three days after she received that message, the phone rang. The voice on the other end said, Mom, it's me. It's Clayton. I'm alive. And Ruth said, I couldn't believe it at first, but then I recognized his voice and I realized he was really alive. She said, I laughed, I cried, I felt like turning cartwheels because my son who I thought was dead was actually alive. You know, this morning we come to a story that's, that's very similar. See, three days prior to our scripture, Jesus had been betrayed. Jesus had been denied. Jesus had been abandoned. He had been accused. He suffered. He was flogged. He was beaten and he was crucified on a Roman cross. An innocent man, an innocent Savior that came to give life had his life taken because the Jewish authorities believed that Jesus was an imposter and there was no way that he was the Son of God. The disciples were scared. They were scared. They were emotional. They felt abandoned. They were confused about Jesus' words and they were even more confused about Jesus' death. And as we gather this morning, this Easter, with family and with friends and church, do you know that there are still people that are confused about Jesus' death? About Jesus' resurrection? See, we know that Easter, it's all about the Easter bunny, right? 
We, we know these things. It's all about the new dresses. It's all about the new ties. It's, it's all about the new shirts. It's all about spending time with, with, our, with our families. But for many, Easter is just another day, or it's a day that holds more confusion than it does clarity. Well, listen to me, church. Easter shouldn't be a time of confusion. Amen? Easter should not be a time of doubt. It should not be a time of misunderstanding. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you three truths that Easter reminds me of. So look at your Bible, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Let's read verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone had already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple who Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away our Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter and the other disciple, they went forth, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and he came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him, and he entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb, and she's weeping. And so as she wept, she, sto she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid Him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And then look at verse 15. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had these things said to her. Let's pray. Father, what a great day it is. Lord, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the beautiful weather, Lord. Thank you for us being able to, to get up out of bed this morning and come worship you on this great day, Father God. Lord, we're here today to worship a risen Savior. Father, we're here today to say thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, God, that you gave your only Son, Lord, to die for us, to be our sacrifice. Lord, so we can have grace, so we can have forgiveness, so we can become a new creature, Lord. Father, so that we can experience an abundant life with Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. And Father, maybe there's some people here this morning that need to pick up their cross again, Lord. Father, maybe there's some people here this morning, we all know how difficult it's been over the last year. 
Father, we know the challenges, we know the emotion, we, we know the drama, we know all the different nuances that have come, Lord, to, to this nation and to this world over the last 14 months. Father, people hurting spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Lord, people need you now more than ever. So, Father, we pray today that you move among us. Father, that your spirit be felt among us, Lord. And that God today won't just be another Easter, but today will be a new day, a new Easter for someone here, Lord. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You know, Jesus had made quite an impression upon his disciples and the women that had followed him over the last three years of his life. But the impression had not yet really equaled into solid faith and understanding. And for some here today, or maybe for some listening at home, Jesus has made an impression upon you. But there are still some that haven't placed their faith in Jesus. Some are still leery putting their trust in a resurrected Savior in whom His own people didn't trust in. And some are leery about picking up their cross, de denying themselves and following Jesus. The disciples and the women who had been following Jesus over the last three years were still confused over what they had seen, what they had witnessed, what they had heard, and what they had encountered with the one named Jesus. A week earlier, Jesus had strolled into the great city of Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey, fulfilling several biblical prophecies as the people welcomed their Messiah King by shouting these words, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. But just a few days later, another crowd shouted what? Crucify Him. So can you imagine their confusion? Jesus' disciples, they witnessed a crowd of belief, but then just a few days later, they also witnessed a city of disbelief, confusion, and terror. And, but even in the year 2021, and folks, this is where our sermon outline begins this morning. Even in the year 2021, Easter reminds me that there is still unbelief and uncertainty over a risen Savior. Here we are over 2,000 years later. 2,000 years after Jesus rose from the grave. 2,000 years later after the stone was rolled. And listen to me, church. The stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus. The stone was rolled away for you. People are still uncertain and people still have unbelief in who Jesus really is to them. In verse 1, the Bible says they'd come to the tomb to anoint his body. Well, why did they do that? Because they were confused. In verse 2, Mary Magdalene ran to Simon Peter and said, Someone had stolen the body of Jesus. Why would she do that? Because they were Confused. In verse 3 through 7, they saw the tomb was empty. They saw the linens wrappings lying there. And they saw the face cloth rolled up in a place by itself. But they were still what? They were still confused. Matter of fact, the only one that wasn't confused was the other disciple mentioned in verse 8, in which that is John. And we're not exactly sure what John actually believed. 
Did he believe because he saw, or did he believe because he remembered Jesus' words? Well, what we know is this. They didn't understand when Jesus said in John chapter 2, verse 19, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in not one, not two, but what? In three days. They didn't understand Jesus when he told him that he had to go to Jerusalem and that he had to suffer things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. See, these people... His followers, ones that he had performed miracles on and through they had witnessed Easter take place because the tomb was what? The tomb was empty, but they had not experienced a true Easter just yet because their confusion was holding them back from seeking a risen Savior. They should have been at the tomb saying, well, we know the stone's already going to be what? rode away they should have got up that morning singing hallelujah jesus is risen but they didn't they got up they were confused there was unbelief there was uncertainty and they go to this tomb and they're looking for a not a body that's risen but what kind of body are they looking for a dead body and what's bad is here we are two thousand years later and we're still confused we're still uncertain I see a lot of people with the same issue today. I see people who come to church and they've witnessed the, the greatness of a Savior. I've seen people come to church and witness the healing power of Jesus through prayer. I've witnessed people come to church and God really start to do something great in their life. But when their past takes hold and the world tells them that the truth doesn't exist and that Jesus is just some story to bring comfort to the weak, the confusion starts to set back in because they didn't really understand what they've experienced they're still confused see they knew Jesus was powerful they knew Jesus was more than just any mere man they knew Jesus could do great things but they really never experienced the true meaning of a risen savior at that point you know I can remember a lot of Easter past and I'm sure a lot of you all in here this morning can as well. I can remember as a child looking forward to boiling eggs. Amen? If you're 40 and over, come on. Come on. I mean, I remember putting the dye on them, putting my own special little touches on them, and then, you know, you lose one in the house, and a week later you start to smell it. Amen? I mean, that, those are the days that, that I can remember. But I also remember experiencing Easter for the first time as a Christian when I was 11 years old. 11 years old. And I remember when Jesus became a permanent place in my heart and in my life because I truly understood that Jesus lived for me. That Jesus died for me. That Jesus rose for me. And I understood that at the age of 11 years old and if a child can grasp that jesus loves them that much why can't adults why can't we as adults because this right here unbelief and uncertainty because we're letting a world tell us that truth doesn't exist that it's relative, and just because it's true for you doesn't mean it's true for me. Well, I'm going to tell you this, everyone here and everyone at home. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. He is the truth. 
And you can live that way and you can place your faith in Jesus or you can take a chance and live your life and when you go to breathe your final last breath, you better hope and pray somebody was telling you a truth. Amen? And isn't it ironic? Let me share y'all with this. Some of y'all in here this morning, some of y'all maybe have not given your life to Jesus. You're putting it off because you think, well, I got lots of time to live. Over 99% of all people when they're dying in a hospital, they call for two people. You want me to tell you who that is? Either a priest or a minister. You know why? Because they want to make sure that if this heaven or this hell is real, that they give it at least one crack at it. But why would you ever want to wait that long? Why would you ever want to live your life in unbelief and live your life and uncertainty when Jesus loves you with everything that he has. When he's given you everything that he has, who do you know that's willing to die on a cross for you? Who do you know that was willing to come to this life to live for you, to die for you, to be beaten and flogged for you? There's no one else. It ain't your mama. It ain't your daddy. It ain't your spouse. It ain't your cousin. It ain't your, it ain't your boyfriend. It ain't your girlfriend. Nobody loves you like Jesus. Amen? So when are we going to know that? When are we going to accept that? Let me ask you, do you understand why Jesus had to rise? Or are you still letting your confusion and your doubts keep you from opening up your heart to a Savior that was born for you and lived for you, died for you, rose for you? And guess what? He's preparing a place for you. Amen? Right now as we speak, Jesus is up there right now preparing a place for you. Why? Because He wants to spend eternity with who? With you. And church, hear me. The longer you stay confused the longer the world continues to have an influence on our beliefs and truths, the longer we deny serving Jesus, and the longer we keep from telling other people about who? About Jesus. But on the flip side of uncertainty and unbelief, this is number two. You ready? Easter also reminds me that a risen Savior brings what? Comfort and opportunity. Amen? Verses 11, 16, the Bible tells us Mary was what? She was weeping. It's understandable. Why? She didn't understand. She could probably still hear the cries of crucify Him by the same voices that had cheered Hosanna. She probably had the visions of the beating, floggings, the blood that has dripped from His body and He's carried His cross all the way down the Via Della Rosa, all the way to Golgotha. She remembered Christ as the one that pulled out seven demons who had possessed her, who had made her a social outcast, and who had taken control of her life. Jesus had literally set her free, and her misunderstandings led her to believe that his body had been stolen. But here's the great thing with Jesus. As the angels asked Mary why she was weeping, Christ had been listening to her cries. And he addressed her. She didn't recognize him at first, but he called out her name. He said, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now I want you to notice something. 
Jesus did not ignore her, did he? I want you to notice Christ didn't throw her misunderstandings in her face. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, Mary, you're not good enough. But I want you to notice that Jesus comforted her in her present. He comforted her. The misunderstandings were now in the past and she had every opportunity to grasp a risen Savior and that's exactly what she did. It's exactly what she did. Psalm 30, the Bible says, Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Amen? I would say experiencing the true Easter experience is worth a shout of glory for Mary that morning, church. Isn't it amazing to know that we serve a Savior that's always there for us? Isn't it amazing to know that no matter how bad our past is, it's not going to keep Jesus from working through us in our present and in our future? And isn't it is amazing to know that if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you can do that today. And some people may be wondering, well, how can Jesus comfort me, Brother Donnie? Jesus comforted Mary in her time of mourning. Jesus comforted her in her time of misunderstandings. And Jesus speaks to each of us this morning as personally as he spoke to Mary. Jesus offers you forgiveness. He offers you grace. And he offers you a new way of life which brings comfort. And church, listen to me. When Jesus calls your name, you can't turn back. Amen. You know, one day... When you die and you go to heaven, who's the first person that you want to see? Jesus. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say your name. And you, you're never going to hear that name the way that he says it. Amen? The creator of all, savior of all, is going to look at you straight in the face and say your name. And it's going to be like you've never heard your name ever spoken before. All for you. And all we have to do is place our trust in Him. And place our faith in Him. But are we going to do that? Are we willing to do that? And then last but not least, number three. Easter also reminds me that my eternity is what? It's secure, church. Amen. Our eternity is secure. Verses 17 and 18, as Mary clinged to Christ, he tells her to stop clinging. Now, he doesn't do this to be rude. You know, Jesus doesn't say these words to her to be rude, but he's not yet ascended to the Father. But he says, go to my brethren, say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. And I'm sure Mary clinged to Jesus because she was scared she was going to what? She was scared she was going to lose him again. I mean, let's be honest. You ready? If someone you dearly love died and rose from the grave three days later, are you going to let them go? Are you going to let them go? No, you're going you're gonna to hang on for dear what? You're going to hang on for dear life. And this is what Mary did. Because listen to me. You can't, you can't read this and not get emotional. Because Jesus did something for her that nobody could do. Pulled seven demons out of this woman. Healed her. Forgave her. Gave her grace. A new life. A new beginning. 
And she die, and, and Jesus dies, and she's thinking, I've lost the only person that's ever really what? That's ever really loved me. And then he comes back, and she's like, oh, I'm not letting you go again, big boy. I'm not letting you go again. And Jesus says, Mary, you got to. Because I'm not quite yet what? Finished. I'm not quite yet done here. But Jesus made it quite clear. There was still more to be done. And I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Jesus would spend 40 more days with his disciples until he would ascend to heaven. But his promises of our future with him was now assured. In John 14, Jesus said to the disciples, some of the most memorized scripture of all, verses 1 through 4. Don't let your heart be troubled, but believe in who? Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would tell you so. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. You know, that first Easter may have been difficult for Mary to understand or to even explain, but she told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She had experienced true Easter that day. She had experienced a risen Savior that she never wanted to let go. When you think about Easter, what, what's it remind you of? When you think about this day every year, what are the things that come to your mind? Easter reminds me that Jesus has given us the opportunity to clear up confusion about who He is. He's a risen Savior, amen? Easter reminds me that Christ is offering comfort and opportunity to all of those who call on His name as Lord and Savior. And last but not least, Easter reminds me that our future, our eternity is secure. Why? Because He rose. Have you ever embraced a risen Savior? There's a huge difference in saying that you know Jesus and that Jesus lives within you. Amen? People will sit in these pews for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And they'll practice religion. But they never bring Jesus into their heart. They never bring Jesus into their life. And then Jesus looks at them at the end of time and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because if you do, it should be showing in your life. Amen. You should be excited to, risk, to, to worship a Savior. You should be excited to come and sing praises. You should be excited knowing that Jesus has given everything he can give to you. And for some people, it's still not enough. Church, listen to me. Don't leave here today in unbelief. Amen. Don't, don't, don't leave here today in uncertainty. 
And maybe this morning your heart is heavy and you just need to cry out for God. Maybe you need comfort. Maybe you need encouragement. But whatever you need today, there's a risen Savior that's waiting for you. And so this morning as Brother Billy comes and we have our time of invitation, I know God is knocking on some doors this morning. I know the Holy Spirit is moving this morning. This is your opportunity. This is your invitation, church. Have you experienced the risen Savior? Does He live in your heart? Is He a part of who you are? As we stand this morning, will you come?